Talk to you tonight about living by the voice of God. We're going to talk about hearing the voice of God and not just hearing it. We're going to talk about living by the voice of God. Living by the voice of God. Let me lay you a little bit of background. <clears throat> we weren't created to live like this. You look at this earth and what's going on on it, even within church, within Christians. Our Heavenly Father didn't create us to live like this. He's, he's too good for this. He's very good. Uh, we won't take hours and do a theology lesson. I'll take three minutes and tell you. We were not created to live like this. We were created to live in the glory of God. We were created to live wonderful lives. The only place in the world that you can find out what he meant for us to live like is in two chapters in the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2. He created man in his image, created woman, put him in a garden. There was no pain, no fear, no shame, no enmity, no unkindness, perfect. Genesis 1 and 2 were what we were created to live. That was his original intent for humanity to live like that. All right. But he gave man a choice. He gave us a free will because he wanted somebody to love him. And you can't have somebody love you unless you give them the opportunity not to. That's listen, free will. A lot of people say, well, how come, how come? Listen to me. It's not that hard. Free will explains every problem on this earth. It was not his will. It was our will. And we rebelled against his righteousness, his goodness. We didn't want him to run our lives. We wanted to run our own lives. And, and listen to what the Bible says. See if you've heard this before. This is Romans 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, our sin cost us the glorious life we were supposed to have. We weren't supposed to live envying each other. We weren't supposed to live competing in marriage. We weren't supposed to live hating each other. We weren't supposed to live sick. We weren't supposed to live broken. We were supposed to live in glory, a glorious life, but all have sinned and lost the glory, come short of the glorious life we were supposed to have. That explains everything on the planet. However, this father's great heart will never give up on us living in the glory. And he wants people to come back to the glory, the glorious life. Uh, there's two words in, a couple of words in the Bible that mean the same thing. Glorious life. You ever heard this one? Abundant life. He wants his kids to have an abundant life. He wants his people to have an abundant life. Now, many of my friends who disagree with me theologically, they say, that's right, Brother Biden. When we get to heaven, we'll be back to that place he wanted us to be. I don't think you have to wait till heaven. I don't think you have to wait to heaven to start going back to glory. He's working in people's lives now that'll, that'll, that'll let him to bring them back to the original glory. Matter of fact, you just flat out, this settles it. 2 Corinthians 3.18, as we behold in a mirror the beauty of Jesus, we are transformed into his glory. D degree by degree by the Holy Spirit. Father wants people to live in the glorious life that he originally wanted them to have. And uh, the way that happens is, uh, the, the, uh, here's what religion teaches. You, you become religious, you do religious practices, you try to behave and do better, and that'll get you there. No, it won't. There's only one thing that brings the glorious life back to us. It's hearing the voice of God. It's hearing the voice of God. Now we're going to read a familiar scripture here, but I want to show you something perhaps you've never seen in this passage. And I want us to connect the dots. I want you to look at me in John chapter 10, verse 10. I call this the fulcrum verse of the Bible. If you'll understand this verse and believe it, let it be the foundation for the whole Bible. This one verse, and it says this, there's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. That, that just simplifies everything in life. It's not that hard. Uh, let me go deep with you here theologically. Stealing, killing, and destroying is not Jesus. That's the thief. Abundant life, that's God. This is not hard. But I want you to notice something with me. That word abundant life, uh, it doesn't mean a little bit better. It, it literally means back to the glory. Overflowing, full, wonderful. Relationships, internal life, uh, business, everything. Back to what he intended life to be. Jesus died so you could go back to what he created you to be. And you don't have to wait to get to heaven. But now we haven't connected the dots in this passage. I want you to read with me a couple of verses here. Verse two of John chapter 10. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus speaking of himself. To him, the doorkeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. What does it mean by name? Now he speaks to the church, but he speaks to people individually. He'll say things to me he doesn't say to you. That's what it means. He speaks to people by name individually, <clears throat> leads them out. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. 
Read verse 27 with me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now listen to me, connect the dots. Verse 10 says, I've come that they might have abundant life. What's this passage about? Hearing the voice of God. You have an abundant life by hearing the voice of God. And when you get to where you can hear the voice of God, that's what makes life abundant. I'll say it again. Religion says, try to be nice, try to do these things, get involved in church. That won't bring you, that won't bring you back to what you're supposed to be. That'll make you a good person, but it won't bring you back to what you were supposed to be. It is hearing the voice of God that brings us to the abundant life we're looking for. And it's in your heart. Everybody's looking for it. Everybody craves it. It is hearing the voice of God that causes that to happen. Now, uh, let me share with you some, uh, you know, I got a lot of friends today that they just preach your friends. They don't believe God speaks today. That's just ultimate sad. Sad that, you know, they believe he spoke. The Bible's the word of God. Listen to me. He speaks today. My sheep hear my voice. He speaks through the word. He speaks through our, into our hearts. But listen to what Jesus said about life. This is Luke chapter four, verse four. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone. He lives by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. And it's in the present tense. The Bible is the word that proceeded past tense from the mouth of God. Now the spirit speaks to me through the word and that becomes the word today. But dear ones, man lives by every word that comes out. If you want to live, you got to hear what God's saying. Man lives by the words that come from the mouth of God. Uh, Revelation, let's connect the dots in Revelation chapter three or two and three. It says this, I have the keys. I open doors and nobody can close them. I close doors nobody can open. I set before you an open door. Listen to this. If any man has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. If you'll hear what God's saying, he'll open doors for you and things will happen. I want you to look at a passage with me where he paints on those beautiful pictures of what happens in your life if you'll hear his voice. Isaiah chapter 55. I love this. I love Isaiah 55. I just go when... When I, it's sort of like, uh, I can't eat ice cream anymore. You know, rare, rare occasion I will, but I love ice cream. You know, it's, it's what they serve in heaven. They serve rice cakes in hell and they serve ice cream in heaven. <laughs> I'd eat ice cream every day if I could, but I can't. Um, but, you know, if I just wanted to really treat myself, I'd go to the ice cream store. But when I want to really treat myself, I go to Isaiah 55 and I just enjoy it. And several, all of us have got those places where we just enjoy I want you to, now remember, remember this, we're going to talk about this in a second. Dear ones, our Heavenly Father doesn't speak like college textbook. He speaks in parables. He speaks in pictures. And you got to get inside the pictures to see what he's saying. And this is one of those beautiful word pictures in the Bible. When he said in Isaiah 55, listen, ho means listen. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. If you don't have any money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. What'd he say? Now, you know, he's not talking about literal water, wine, and milk. He's talking about the spirit of God. And what are the three words in there used to describe the spirit of God? Water, wine, and milk. Water is what sustains life. Milk is what gives you strength. Did your mom tell you drink your milk to be strong? What does wine do? Wine is what brings joy to life. The spirit of God sustains us, makes us strong, and gives us joy. He said, you don't cost you a thing. Just come and enjoy the spirit of God. He asked a strange question. Verse two, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Why are we chasing stuff in this earth that cannot satisfy our souls? Why are we going through all this stuff to get stuff that doesn't really help us? And then he said this, listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Now connect the dots right there. Listen and eat. If I can hear the voice of God, it feeds me and it strengthens me. It brings joy into my life. Listen and eat. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear, come to me here and your soul shall live. What do you say? Listen to me, become strong, have joy and delight yourself when you hear my voice. I don't want to show you one of the greatest pictures and you'll get this picture because it's that time of the year. Verse 10, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It will accomplish. And then you're going to go out with joy and you're going to be led out with peace, singing. And instead of thorns and briars, which is pain, you're going to have the myrtle, which is beauty. All right, this time of the year, people plant their gardens. I planted some stuff today. And uh, here the summertime comes and there's no rain and it's hot. And your garden looks terrible. It wilts. 
it's, it's saggy, it's dry, it's dusty. All of a sudden we get two days of a gentle rain. What happens in that garden? That thing comes alive, it turns green, it comes alive, it starts bearing fruit. Listen to what he said. You hearing my voice has the same effect on your life that a summer rain does on a parched garden. As the rain comes down from heaven and causes, it, causes the earth things that are sown to come alive, so is my voice to your life. This is one of the greatest pictures in all the Bible of hearing the voice of God and what it does to our heart. Our hearts come alive, our, our marriages come alive, our businesses come alive. Everything he speaks into comes alive. And it's hearing the voice of God. Listen, can you see from this passage, you live by hearing God speak, by hearing the voice of God. And the many places in the scripture uh, that, that I could show you that. So abundant life is from hearing his voice. Now, uh, in that John chapter 10 passage, it talked about ab abundant life. There was this man laid down his life on a cross so you could come back to glory. So you, he, got, he bought you more than salvation. He bought you abundant life on the cross and he suffered for it. And you get that by hearing his voice. But in that same passage in John 10, it talked about a thief. And it talks about a thief who comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Now listen to what I'm fixing to teach you. And this is a lifelong important lesson. Satan knows this stuff. He knows the word of God. He stood in God's presence for millions of years. He knows some things about God. And let me tell you what he knows. Satan knows this. He knows that hearing the voice of God is the secret to your life. Therefore, now listen to what I'm fixing to say. His number one activity in everyone's life is to stop them from hearing the voice of God. Can you see that? He comes to steal. If, if, if it is hearing the voice of God that causes me to come alive, Satan's number one activity is to cut me off from hearing God speak. And that's, you're going to see that in scripture. Uh, that's, why, uh, that's why I've learned that I live by hearing the voice of God. And we live by hearing him speak to our hearts. And my enemy has, uh, his, my name is on his board. The scripture teaches that. And he strategizes with his demons and says, what can we do to stop this man from hearing God speak to him? I don't know if you've ever read it or not. C.S. Lewis, the great thinker who wrote uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, wrote one of the greatest books ever written. It's called Screwtape Letters. Have you ever heard of Screwtape Letters? It's wonderful. It's an allegory of, it's letters between a, like a chief demon and a private demon. And this private demon has been assigned to a Christian to follow him around and mess his life up. And these are letters that he's, and this little private demon is sort of a, he's new, he's bumbling. And his uncle is screw tape. He's the overseer demon, like the Lieutenant. And they're writing back and forth and he's trying to help him mess this guy up. And he just gets so ill with him because he don't know how to mess the guy up. And he, but it's a masterpiece from heaven to help you see what's going on in the spirit realm in your own life how the enemy strategizes to mess your life up. And uh, the Bible talks about that. We're going to see that in a minute. I want us to do something. We're going to, we're going to look, um, we're going to look at a parable tonight. We're going to look at the premier parable in the Bible. Jesus said, if you don't get this parable, you won't understand any parable. So that makes it the premier parable in the Bible. And it, what he said in this parable is, he, he says two things in this parable that I want you to hear. What will happen in your life if you can hear God speak and in this parable, he also reveals five strategies that Satan's going to bring into your life to keep you from hearing God speak. And th this is, do you understand how important intelligence is in a war? You know what I mean by that? We had a, uh, a National Guard unit here in Burlington and they were an intelligence gathering unit. They'd go overseas where we were fighting and they would just gather intelligence. If I know what my enemy's going to do, guess what? I win. And our Heavenly Father has given you intelligence on this war that we're fighting in Mark chapter four. And he shows you the five things Satan will do to keep you from hearing the voice of God. Because I'm gonna say it again. The enemy of your soul knows this. I can cut them off from God's voice. Their lives will dry up and be pathetic and they'll just struggle through. If I can stop them from, listen, there is nothing in your life more important than hearing God speak. We live by hearing the voice of God. I want you to turn to Mark chapter four to that parable and it's the great, it's the premier, I call it the premier parable in the Bible. Jesus said it's different from every other parable. And I'm going to show you why. All right, Mark chapter four. Let me, while you're turning to that, let me a quote to you a verse from 2 Corinthians chapter two. It's verse 11. It says this. 
Satan will not take advantage of us because we are not ignorant of his schemes. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Satan will not take advantage of me because I'm not ignorant of his schemes or how he operates. If I know where the enemy's coming and what he's going to do, I should not allow him to take advantage of me. What's the inversion of that verse? If you don't know what he's doing, he will take advantage of you. We got to start taking this dark stuff seriously. It's eating our lunch in the churches. It's messing our families up. But I love 2 Corinthians 2, 11. He won't, he's not going to hurt my family because I know where he's coming from. He's not going to take advantage of me because I'm not ignorant of his schemes. He says, well, brother, how do I find out about his schemes? He has sent you an intelligence book called the Bible. Now we need to let the spirit of God teach us this in the Bible. Mark chapter four. Why don't you look at that one verse to start with verse 13. And Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So that makes this the premier parable in the Bible. And what did Jesus say? Before you can have insight into anything I tell you, you've got to understand this parable first. And if you, can, if you can have insight into this parable, then you can understand anything I say. That's why I believe this is the first parable anybody should ever learn. And it's a parable about hearing the voice of God and about how Satan tries to stop you from hearing the voice of God. And that's why Jesus said it's, it's so important because you get this one, then you can learn the rest of it. And as I said, there's five schemes. Let's read the parable. You know what a parable is, don't you? A parable is a story that has truth hidden in it. And Jesus is a master at parables. Matter of fact, he said, I will speak to them in parables. He loves to do that. Look with me in Mark chapter four. Let's put in verse one. Mark four, one. Jesus began to teach by the sea. A great multitude came to him. He got in a boat and sat on it by the sea and the whole multitude was on the land. And he taught them many things by parables. Now, doing this again, Jesus teaches in parables. One of my favorite verses, Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to search it out. That's a parable. He hides truth in parables. What's our, what's our responsibility? Search it out. Find out where the truth is in here. And uh, that's why I love these parables. All right, let's read verse two. He taught them many things in parables and said to him, now here's the parable. Listen, a sower went out to sow. So what do you got? You got a farmer who's going to go out and plant some seed. That's what they're doing this time of the year. Matter of fact, the fields around us were planted yesterday. They go out and they plant the seed. All right, they're going to plant the seed. Watch what happens. It happened as he sowed, verse four, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Now remember, we're not talking about corn and seeds. We're talking about people's lives. All right, now you know the picture here. There's a footpath. Somebody's been walking through the field and they've worn a footpath and it's hard. And the seed that falls on that hard place can't get down in the soil. Of course, the birds swoop in and take it. When we used to plant corn, uh, I built, well, a fellow goes to church here, an older fellow told me, said, run gold string, gold twine, two inches off the ground above your corn, the crows won't come eat it. And it's true. But the crows will come eat it. And the, you know, the, it, they was, it was laying out there and they just came and they stole the seed. Well, you know, if a crow eats your seed, you're not going to get any fruit. This is not hard. All right. All right. Number two, verse five. Some fell on stony ground. It didn't have much soil. Immediately sprang up, but it had no depth of earth. When the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. It died. So you got that. You got soil that has this very rocky, not much soil. This plant springs up, but it has no depth of root. And when the, when the drought, when the heat came, it, it just died. You can understand that. All right. Number three, he said this. Verse seven, some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it, yielded no crop. Right? This is a, a garden that had been weeded and just tremendous weeds and the weeds stole the nutrition. They choked the fruit out. You didn't get anything. And then the fourth one, of course, is um, verse eight. Other seed fell on good ground. It yielded a crop that grew, increased and produced some 30 fold, some 60 and a hundred fold. Look at verse nine. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What, is, what does he mean there? Can you hear the spiritual lesson in this simple picture? We got to hear what he's saying here. All right. Now, now you again, you know, this is not about farming or seeds or anything. This is about life. It's about hearing the voice of God. And uh, let me tell you what you and me, me and you ought to do. Anytime we hear something like this, <clears throat> verse 10, when Jesus was alone, those with him around him with the 12, asked him about the parable. What'd they say? They came and said that night, they said, look, um, that was a really cool parable you told today but we didn't get it. We don't know what you're talking about with this seed and sowing. Was that, did that have some spiritual, was that supposed to apply to my life? 
And so Jesus opens the parable to them and explains it to them. One of my favorite verses in the Bible says this. When they were alone with Jesus, he explained everything in the scriptures to them. You and I need to make a practice of getting alone with Jesus and saying to him, help me to understand life. Talk to me and listen to me. Listen to me. You can hear the voice of God. If you're born again, you got the equipment, you got the ears. Uh, there's the, the enemy gets in people's heads and say, well, I, I can't hear it. Yes, you can. Listen, I'm going to say it again. Uh, listen, to, listen to God. My sheep hear my voice. You can hear him speak. You got what it takes. Uh, you know, I, I've got ears I can hear in the natural realm. I may not listen, but I've got the ability to hear. If you're born again, you've got the ability to hear God speak. You can hear him speak. And you, don't let the enemy who do your head and tell you that you can't. So I'm not that mature Christian. I don't have to be mature to hear, hear somebody holler. I've got the ears. You don't have to be mature to hear God speak. You're able. And I want to encourage you in that. All right. And Jesus breaks this parable down and he says, here's what I'm trying to say. All right. Again, we're at verse 13 again. Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? He said, if you don't get this, you won't understand anything else I teach. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. So now you know he's not talking about corn. And the sower is Jesus Christ and the word is the voice of God. And it can come through the Bible, but it's him speaking into your heart. Then was God is speaking in the earth today. Uh, Romans, excuse me, Revelation 3, seven times in two chapters, he says this. If any man has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church. How many of you hear the rap music in this room right now? They say, brother, there ain't no rap music in this room. Yes, there is. There's country music in this room. Are you with me? There's classical music in this room. I don't know why it's in here amongst this crowd, but it's in here. There are radio waves in this room right now. You say, well, I can't hear them. Does that mean they're not there? Just because you don't hear them doesn't mean that the sound is not here. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know there is music in this room right now? And if you had a receiver, you could hear it. God is speaking in the earth. If any man has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And you've got the capacity to hear. And you can hear his voice. And so the Bible said the sower is sowing the word. And the, the pro, listen, the problem is not in whether God is speaking or not. The problem is in the soils. The problem is in the hearts of the people. The problem is in, our, it's in us. He's speaking. All right, now let's look at, and he's going to give you five schemes here that Satan uses to keep you from hearing the voice of God. Number one, verse 15. These are the ones by the wayside when the word is sown why, why does it say, why does it compare God's voice to seed? Because when God's voice gets in your heart, something grows, something's going to happen. You know, the miracle of the seed, we'll see that in a minute. All I've got to do is put the seed in the soil and a miracle will happen. Fruit will come. God's word causes things. When he speaks, things happen. All right. These are they by the wayside when the word is sown and when they hear, watch these words, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word which was sown in their hearts. Scheme number one, to keep people from having the life God wants them to have, Satan's going to prevent you from hearing the word of God. He's, he's going to keep you away from the word of God. You, you're a, it's just simply to take away the word so people can't hear it. And he can do this in your mind. Second Corinthians four talks about him getting in your mind to where you mock the word of God. You don't want to hear what God's got to say. You don't believe in that stuff. You don't want to hear that God stuff. And he just simply takes it away. Or as a Christian, listen to me, God will speak to your life through the written word or through the spirit and, and Satan will come along and put doubt over it. I say, our father's promise, God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And something inside of you goes, yeah, but that's him. Anything that puts a question mark over God's eternal truth is him. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. All that stuff's gone. Yeah, but brother Brown, I don't feel that's him. He is going to go after the word of God in your heart. He's going to try to take it away from you. There's a tug of war over God's truth in my heart. And my enemy is going to get in my head and cause me to doubt it. And I'm going to tell you one of the greatest works of Satan in my life is theological schools and preachers who preach. Well, yeah, that was back then, but it's not for today. That is a damnable lie. And it's destroyed the church. And if you believe it, it steals the word from you. Uh, I can never change. That's a lie. That's a lie. All old things can pass away. All things can. Do you understand how the enemy gets in our heads and steals the word of God away from us? Number one, he keeps a lot of people from ever just hearing it. You know, they, they never pick a Bible up. They never, they never hear anybody speak the word of God. Satan has stolen life from those people. 
But those of us who do go to church or do read the Bible or whatever, we'll read it, but he'll come along and say, yeah, yeah, but you know, and bam, he destroys faith and steals. What's the first thing he ever said in the earth? He said to Eve, hath God said, did God really say that? And he put a doubt mark or put a question mark over what God said. She should have jacked him up and said, you, you got that right. But he put doubt in her head and she started thinking, well, maybe it's not true. Maybe it's not true. And he destroyed us. Then when he's going after the word in your heart, Satan comes to steal the word of God out of your heart. All the great promises of God. Uh, the promises, I've had a couple of notes after this past Sunday. Some were good, some were bad. And uh, a couple of notes about the verses I quoted about praying for your children. I just couldn't believe what I got. It was, how could the word, how could God make it clearer what, than what he said? Had people say, yeah, but what about if your kids are, yeah, but what about, what, what is this yeah, but stuff? Let's get off our butts. Let's quit putting question marks. Listen, don't ever put a question mark where that man has put a period. And when he makes a promise, let's lay hold of it. Do not let the enemy of your soul come and say, yeah, that's him. Don't let him steal the word away from you. You hang on. Listen, that word is your life. You cling to it. All right, the second, number one, he prevents from hearing. Number two, watch this one. Verse 16, likewise, these are the ones sown on stony ground. They hear the word and receive it with gladness. All right, let me point something out to you here. What are the two things you see in that verse? When you hear the voice of God, what does it bring in your life? They hear the word and it brings gladness into their lives. The voice of God is pure gladness. That's the way that I know that so many believers are not hearing the voice of God today. Their gladness has been stolen away from them. And the Bible talks about the gladness of his word, but watch what happens. These people hear the voice of God. He begins to do things in their life. They get so happy but they have no root, verse 17, and they do only for a time. Afterward, when trouble or persecution arises for the word's sake, what do we learn right there? Satan sees you begin to hear the voice of God. He sees God doing things in your life. What does he do immediately? He's gonna bring trouble against you and he's gonna bring persecution against you. Can you see that trouble and persecution come, why? For the word's sake. When he sees the word of God getting into somebody's life, what's, what's the word? let's finish reading it. Trouble or persecution arises for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble. What's the word? Offense. God will begin to work in people's lives. Good things will begin to happen. Their, their hope is coming up. Their marriage is getting better. Their kids are doing better. And all of a sudden somebody does something to them at church. And they get offended. And they get bitter. And he just stole the word of God out of your heart. Or, or persecution. Your family begins to think you're a religious lunatic and they begin to make fun of you. That's persecution or people begin to speak against you, or just, just the, he brings people against you. And all of a sudden we go, this is not worth it. Yes, it is. But he steals the word of God away. Listen, anytime God begins to speak into your life, what are the two things that are coming? Look, look at the verse. What are the two things that are coming? Trouble and persecution. If God's going to work in your life, your enemy is going to stir up a mess. You can see it right there. They receive the word, but because of the word, people begin to bring trouble against them. So be it. Listen, do not get offended. Re remember, we're not messing with people. We're not wrestling with people. You got to learn to see your enemy in this stuff. And you cannot let offense steal God's truth out of your heart or steal the word from you. Listen, offense, persecution, trouble with people, that is a scheme of your enemy to steal the word of God out of your life and stop God from working in your life. Don't let him do it. The third one. Why don't you look with me on, uh, let's look in verse 17, 18. These are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word. God begins to speak in their lives. Now, verse 19, he's going to mention three things that he brings. Number one, and the cares, well, let's just read the whole verse. The cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things enter in and, just, and choke the word of God out of your life. You don't hear him anymore. I want you to look at the three things he said will cut the voice of God off in your life. Number one in, the, in that is, is the cares of this world. Listen to me. You get so consumed in your life with what's going on in the world. You're, all you can think about is the news, the arguing, the fight. You, you know, your mind and heart are just gripped with what's going on around you. What's another word for it? Busyness. I'm, I'm too busy to give God time to speak to me. 
and, and, and we just get so caught up in life and busyness and you're mad at the Democrats or you're mad at the Republicans or you're, you're mad at that crowd and you're not getting your piece of the pie and, and these people are doing this and that makes you mad and, and, and just the cares of life so grip your heart and mind that you can't get quiet and let God speak into your life. Can you see this happening in our land today where Satan has cut the voice of God off in people's lives because of the junk going on around them and the cares of this world choke the voice of God out of your life. And if you can't hear his voice, nothing's going to happen. The fruit begins to die. I want you to look at the second one that he mentions in that group there, which is number four, actually. Uh, it's, it's unusual how he writes this. The de- he didn't say riches. What did he call it? The deceitfulness of riches. The deception of materialism. Why did he call it the deceitfulness of riches? What's, what's deception? Deception is when you promise somebody something and then what? You don't do it. I maybe think money lies. People say money talks, money lies. What's the lie money tells? Tell me the lie that money's told to so many people. I'll make you happy. That's why it's called the deceitfulness of riches. Even some of the most miserable people I know are multimillionaires. And they thought that money would make them happy and bring them contentment and fulfillment in life. Guess what? What does the Bible say? They were deceived by riches. And dear ones, when, when we fall for materialism or we begin to pursue money and the things money can buy, you're going to choke the voice of God right out of your life. And you may buy, you may own a yacht one day, but you're going to be miserable on that yacht. Uh, you may drive a Ferrari, but you're not going to be, you have any joy in that Ferrari. <laughs> and you're probably going to be riding in it by yourself. And you're going to pull in, you're going to put in a thousand dollars worth of gas just to get to the dentist office. <laughs> there was one of the greatest warnings in the world is if we, listen, wealth is wonderful if you can handle it. You can't help other people without wealth, but money makes a cruel master. And if money owns you and you live for money, you're going to be under a hard yoke. But the pursuit of wealth and materialism instead of friendship and the voice of God, maybe the strongest warning in the Bible that I should look out for is what? Let's turn and look at it. Keep your finger in Mark 4, but turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. See if this has happened in a nation near you. First Timothy chapter six. This may be the strongest warning in the Bible about something that can happen to this. This is not, not pagans, not Hugh Hefner, followers of Jesus. And he makes it very specific. I'm talking to followers of Jesus here. And uh, let's read a few verses here about the, it's one of the greatest warnings. See if you agree with verse seven, first Timothy six, seven. We brought nothing into this world. Guess what we've taken out? You're not carrying anything off this planet. You're going out naked, nothing out. All right, having food and clothing, we can be content. You tell me the two things you have to have to be happy. It's if I could just have a nice house or a nice car. No, no, no. What's the two things you have to have? I got to have basic food and something to cover up with. Now, listen, my heavenly father wants you to have more than that. He's not against his children being blessed beyond measure. But I'll tell you this, very difficult in America to not let what you own, own you. You have to be very careful. All righty. Those who desire to be rich, is that America? Those who desire to be rich, verse nine, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. How many people have I known that in, that in their passionate desire to get rich, destroyed their families, ruined their health, ruined their own lives? There's a strong warning here. And then I remember the first time as a new believer, 18, 19 years old, I read this next verse and it stunned me. But you know what? What God says is true. Verse 10, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. There's nothing wrong with having money. I'm asking him for millions of dollars right now to help people. Money's wonderful. You can use it as a tool. But the love of money is the root of all evil. Now we have a tremendous drug problem in our nation right now. Fentanyl is pouring across the open Southern border 90,000 deaths by fentanyl. We only lost 50,000 people in the whole Vietnam War. 90,000 people died of fentanyl overdoses last year. And that's, some of those died of heart attacks that weren't counted to fentanyl. You know what's driving the drug business? Not drugs, money. The love of money is behind the drug business. Pornography is ruining marriages today. You know what's behind the pornography business? Not sex, money. It is, the, it is the hunger and the lust for money that drives the evil in the earth. That's why the Bible said the love of money, if you'll dig on down, the root of, of all evil comes back to loving money. All right, so the love of money is a dangerous thing. 
I watch what it said in verse 10. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil from which some have strayed from the faith. Dear ones, can you stray from the faith if you weren't in it? These are people that loved God at one time. These are people that, that followed Jesus. God was blessing their lives, but the love of money replaced their love for Jesus. And what happened? They strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. If you live for money and pursue money, I promise you, they're going to come a day you're going to suffer. Now, again, if we'll make Jesus Lord and ask him, bless me financially. Here's the greatest prayer. One of the greatest prayers in the Bible, the prayer of Jabez. He said this, bless me and make me a blessing and let me do no harm. And the next verse says that prayer so pleased God that he answered it. When I find a place in the Bible where it says a prayer pleases God, guess what I do? I pray that prayer all the time. Bless me. But I don't want him to pass me the gravy so I can drown in it. I want him to pass me the gravy so I can pass it on. I used to pray for tens and hundreds of thousands. I'm praying for millions. I need millions of dollars to save children that don't have clean water. You with me? Little girls that are trapped in sex trafficking. You know, when I retire, I'm going to take my trusty 45. I'm going to go down there straight and that mess out. I'm headed to Southeast Asia. I've lived my life. Who cares if I get shot? But, but dear ones, listen. But when you begin to love money, I'm, I'm, it's not about I, I'm mad because you got money. I, I feel sorry for you if you love money because this book is true. Many a person has pierced themselves. I was the one of the things that we saw that Satan will bring into your life to choke out the voice of God, get you chasing money and loving money. And listen, as Americans, we need to really be careful about that. Turn back with me to Mark chapter four. But the pursuit of wealth and materialism, listen, don't pursue money. The Bible said this, pursue the kingdom of God. You pursue friendship with the living God. And what's the promise he made in Luke chapter 11, verse 31? You seek ye first the kingdom of God, all the money will be there. Your bills will be taken care of. I'll pay for your children. I'll buy, I'll put gas in your car. I'll make your house payment. He said, all the kingdoms of this world chase money. You chase God. And all that stuff will be taken care of. That's a pretty good deal to me. I get to chase the Lord who's the only one who can satisfy my soul and know that my bills are taken care of anyway. I don't have to chase money anyway. He just give it to me. We, we really need to go back to this book and start doing what it says. So number four is the deception of materialism. I, I just, this so, it just burdens my heart that America has been snookered. And my generation and the generation right above me made a great mistake. We wanted our kids to have what we never had. And we gave it to them and we've hurt them. What we should have given our kids is what we did have. Now I'm gonna say something crazy. If you're under 30, you won't believe this. If you're under 30, you won't believe, 35. If you're under 30, I'll put it there, you won't believe this. This is gonna sound so crazy if you're a young person. But take my word for it, you can look it up, it's true. There was a time in this nation that when you ran out of money, you quit spending. When you ran out of money, you quit spending. And you, I, know, I know you don't believe it, but if you didn't have any money, you didn't buy anything. And you were happy. Listen, energy drinks, Gatorade, we drank water out of the same fountain outside and there was no cooler in it. I know that you're going, you're lying. That's the truth, Ruth. We had tough times. We gave our kids what we never had and I think we killed them by doing it. We should have given them what we did have. All right, because you know, I walked eight miles to school every day, uphill both ways in the snow, yada, yada, all that stuff. All right, I want you to see one more. Here's the fifth one, look in the Mark 4. Let's read verse 19. The cares of this world, getting all caught up in this life, the deception of riches, and the desires for other things enter in. Listen, let's put it this way. The desires for inferior things. Now, dear ones, not bad things. It doesn't say bad things. We're not talking about uh, drugs and pornography and robbing banks. They're, they're not bad things, but if you let the desire to hear the voice of God be replaced with the desire for other things, it's going to choke the voice of God out of your life and it's going to hurt you. You can't, you got to, it's not, it's not about good or bad. It's about life or death. It's about good or best. Uh, let me give you some, for instances, Ho hobbies are not bad. I've got hobbies. But it was if my hobbies consume my life and I never can hear the voice of God, I'm going to live way short of what I was created to live. 
It's just, I'm not going to have the great life that I long for. Um, socializing, you know, we're all social media. I just, I'm not a social media fan. I think the net loss is greater than the net gain. But if I'm so consumed with jibber jabbering with my friends all the time and hours on Facebook, that that's fine. You'll have fun. You'll, you can socialize, but there's more than you need to hear what, what somebody's saying. You need to hear the voice of God. And by the way, all those friends, they ain't your friends. They're your contacts. Nobody has 12,000 friends. Nobody has 20 friends. If you got two or three, you've been blessed. True friends. But let me tell you who the greatest, if you want somebody to click your friendship button, you need to think about this. What a friend we have in Jesus. And you need to desire the friendship of Jesus. That doesn't mean you can't have friends. Doesn't mean you can't socialize. Doesn't mean you can't go eat with people. Doesn't mean you can't, I'm not saying, you know, hide in a cocoon and drink water and eat tuna fish in a bunker. I'm not saying that stuff. I'm just saying, make the priority. I've got to hear the voice of God. Now, I mean, if you'd be honest enough to admit these things pull at you and pull you away from the voice of God. It's not bad. It's, it's life costing. Uh, different things that we do. Recreation. I think recreation is wonderful. I think Americans need to get up and get moving a little bit more. And uh, recreation is good. It refresh your mind, but only the spirit of God can restore your soul. And we need recreation for our bodies, but we need to hear the voice of God. Listen, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Green pastures, still waters. He restores my soul, but I have to lay down in the green pastures for him to restore my soul. And you, got, you just have to have time to do that. Let me kind of throw in one more here. The des, this would get me killed. The desire for other things, inferior things, church. Then was going to church, hanging around a church, being in a church is not hearing the voice of God. And it's getting harder and harder to hear the voice of God in the American church. I'm not being unkind. I just, I know when God has spoken to my soul and I know when I heard a man speak. I know when I have worshiped in the spirit of God and when I just heard contemporary Christian music, our souls long to hear the voice of God and be touched by him. And the, and the Bible says that your enemy brings all these things into your life, but you got to hear and receive. Now, listen to me. You can't hear it one time. All right. He painted you the picture in Isaiah 55 that my life is like a garden. And when he speaks, it's the rain that causes me to come alive. You remember that? You, you can have rain come down on a garden and it explode in growth and be green. But if it stops raining for seven days, it's right back to where it was. Do you understand that? You don't need to hear his voice one time. You have to continually hear his voice to continually have life. Are you with me? You have to constantly hear his voice. Uh, we have to have water on our gardens all the time. Well, his voice is the water we live by. And I want, to, I want you to look with me. We're on the same page here is to hear and receive over time, over time. It doesn't do any good to start out. I think it was uh, maybe 07, 2007, we had the worst drought in this county's history. I'll never forget that summer. Everything, we didn't have rain for 14 weeks. All the crops died, everything died, the grass was brown. It was the worst drought I've ever seen. There was nothing wrong with the seed. There was nothing wrong with the grass. But if you don't get water on your seeds, there ain't nothing coming out. There's nothing wrong with my heart. There's nothing wrong with the, if I don't hear the voice of God, I die, I dry up and die. I don't care how I flourished yesterday. I've got to hear his voice continually. We live by the words that continually come. I want you to see that in one verse in Matthew, where I'm excuse me, Mark four, same page. Verse 26, the kingdom of God is as if, now stop right there. He said, my kingdom comes in a person life and he's going to paint you another parable. Right, what's the kingdom of God? Does anybody know? It's righteousness. This is Romans 14, 17. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me quote to you Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking material stuff. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is when God's spirit comes into your life. You know what righteousness is, don't you? As my Pentecost friends say, righteousness. You know what righteousness is? It just means God makes things right. He gets the pain out of my heart. He gets the anger out. He gets the hatred out. He gets the perversion out. He just makes things right. That's all righteousness it is. It just means God makes things right in me. And he brings peace into my life and he brings joy into my life. But who does it? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
and the Holy Spirit's often pictured as rain. Then the kingdom of God is when the Spirit of God works in my life and makes things wonderful and brings peace and joy in there. But now watch the picture of how it's done. Verse 26, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. What's the seed? In verse 14, it's, the, it's hearing the voice of God. Then as the kingdom of God comes as I'll hear the voice of God in my heart and I let him speak to me. Now watch this with me in verse uh, 27. And he should sleep by night and rise by day. What does that tell me? I don't do it one time. I do it every day. I go to bed, I get up, I meet God. He speaks into my life. He speaks to me during the day. I go to bed, I get up. He speaks to me the next day. Then as I hear the voice of God day after day. The kingdom of God is hearing him speak day after day. Look at the great mystery here. Verse 26, verse 27. He should sleep by night and rise by day. The seed will sprout and grow. He himself does not understand how. There it is. Hearing the voice of God will cause things to happen in your life, even if you don't understand how it's working. All right, I planted seeds today. I planted uh, zinnias and sunflowers today. Seeds are a great miracle mystery to me. My friends at NC State can explain how it happens. They can't tell you why. It's just a miracle of God that I can take that seed, put it in the warm soil, cover it up about an inch and let water get on it. And if you'll just give it time without me touching it, and I don't understand how this happens, that seed will start, something will come up out of the ground. And in about 60 days, there'll be a sunflower there. Can you explain that? I know they can explain photosynthesis, all the process, but they can't explain why. Dear ones, hearing the voice of God, you don't understand it intellectually. You're not trying to make it happen. But if you just hear the voice of God over time, you will change. Things will get righter and righter in you. You'll have more and more peace. You'll have more and more joy. A boldness will begin to grow in you slowly. But it's by hearing the voice of God over time, day after day after day, that things begin to happen inside of. Americans are so intellectual, we try to figure it out. Get out of your head and get in his word. He, he just sows the word day and night. It grows. He don't even understand. He don't know how this happens. All right, watch the progression. Verse 28, the earth causes crops to grow by itself. The voice of God in your heart will cause things to happen without you helping it. Now again, religion is you doing things. The kingdom is God speaking into your life and things happen without your effort. He says it's too good to be true. You look right here. It's too good not to be true. By the way, this is not called good advice. This book is called good news that brings great joy. Now, when you tell me quit cussing, quit smoking, quit being ugly to your mother-in-law, that's not good news. That's good advice that bring me a good life, but it's not good news that brings great joy. But you tell me, you hear the voice of God and something will happen in you. That's good news. And it brings me great joy. Brings everybody around me great joy too when that happens to me. All right, verse 28, the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head, and then it ripens, you put in the sickle. You understand that? You can't do this in a day. This is slow. You keep hearing the voice of God, but, and just like I planted my little zinnias today, there'll be a little bit out there in about seven or eight days, then it'll grow, then it'll shoots will come off, and then a little bud will come, and then one day they'll be ready to pick. That's your life. If we'll just keep hearing the voice of God, over time, something will happen, slowly. But you'll begin to see the love of God grow inside of you, the joy of God, the encouragement of God, the peace of God, the confidence of God. Your marriage, listen, I know there's a few times in this kingdom when we have great breakthroughs. I know there's times when we can pray for people and bam, and great things happen. But that's not the, that's not the way it works most time in this kingdom. Most of the time in God's kingdom, it's, it's growth, slow growth. Fruit does not magically appear in one day. The fruit of the spirit grows slowly. All right, my apple tree's got apples all over them right now, but you can't eat them yet. They're 100% apple. They're about that big right there. If you used to bite them, they'd bite you back right now. That's not time. It's going to take 60, 45, 60 more days until they're, until they're ready. We got to get this. Listen, don't let the enemy intercept what God's doing in your life over time. How many people? My, I got friends talking to the guy the other day from Living Free. You know, Living Free is a place where you come, you need help, and you hear the voice of God for 90, about nine, six, nine, eight months over time. And, and let me tell you what the enemy does to people that live in free. Going along, going along, going along, good. Get offended, run. Dear ones, you got to put that seed in there and you got to leave it there. You got to keep hearing over time. Mickey Evans, our dear friend that started Dunklin' Camp, which is 
much like living free. I'll never forget what Mickey said one day. He was talking about what God's doing. Over 7,000 alcoholics and drug addicts have had their lives turned around at Dunklin'. And Mickey said this, oh, let me, there's nothing magic down here. He said, we isolate these men out here in the swamp. We keep them down here for nine months, hoping they can hear God speak for five minutes. He said, our only goal down here is to get these folks to hear the voice of God. And we create an environment where they can hear the voice. I'm telling you, the voice of God is powerful. It's not loud, it's powerful. And when you hear his voice in your heart, this should be the goal of your life, to hear him speak. And if you'll just hang in there over time, wonderful things begin to happen. And then the harvest comes in. All right, let's quit by looking at one quick verse about the priority of your life. Luke chapter 10. I want to ask you a personal question. If I were to follow you around for a week, what would I say the priority of your life is? Is it making money? Is it watching TV? Is it seeing how many cheeseburgers you can consume and set a record? Is it? What's the, everybody's life's got a priority. In other words, what, what's the most important thing you do? You say, it's my work. It's my children. There was, you, you get to choose. You can't even choose what you've been handed, but you can choose what you do. Nobody chooses what happens to them, but you can decide what you're going to do with the future. Everybody gets to set their own priority. And this is that simple passage that talks about the, if you want a great life, this is the priority. And Jesus Christ said that your creator said this, one thing should be more important to you than anything else. And here it is in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, he said this, Luke 10, 38, it happened as they went, he entered a certain village, Luke 10, 38, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary. Now you recognize this. There were three siblings, Martha, Mary, and who was the brother? Lazarus. And this was a home that Jesus would go out of his way to visit in. And he loved them. And they all three loved Jesus dearly. They were all good quote, Christian people. So he, he comes to their house, they invite him in. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his word. What did Mary choose to do? I'm going to sit down and listen to what this man's got to say. Right, listen to me. Listen to me. She positioned herself where she could hear God speak. And that was a decision she made to listen to what God had to say to her. That's what was important to her. Now, Martha, um, Martha, verse 40, was distracted with much serving. Who was she serving? Say it. She was serving the Lord. She was getting dinner ready for Jesus. Did you know you can be distracted serving the Lord from his voice? She was distracted with much serving. And uh, she approached, Jesus said, do you not care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Oh my God, have mercy. If you don't hear the voice of God and you get all caught up in religion, number one, you're not going to think God cares about you. She says, you don't care about me. You're going to be critical of other people. She was criticizing her sister. And then you're going to start telling God what to do. How many people do I know that are around the church all the time? They, they really don't think God cares about them. They're critical of other people, Christians, and they're praying these prayers, trying to manipulate God. Dear ones, you know why? She wasn't a bad person. She was a good person, but she, she wasn't hearing God speak. Most important thing you'll do in your life is hear God speak to your heart. And of course, you know what Jesus did. He said, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's terrible. It's terrible. Mary, get off your butt. Go, do, go cook. You do the potatoes. No, he wasn't a Baptist preacher. He was the son of God. I'm sorry. Not really. I've just heard it too many times. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. My goodness, a Christian that's worried and troubled. She wasn't a bad person. Why was she worried and troubled? There was, if you don't hear the voice of God, you're going to live your life worried and troubled, fretting. And now watch what Jesus said. I want you to hear something. Verse 42, one thing is important. Your Bible might say one thing is needed. It's the Greek word important. Dear, listen, look right here. When God Almighty says one thing is important, one thing is important. And he said, Martha, you're worried about serving me. You're worried about all this stuff. He said, there's only one thing important. And watch what he said. One thing is needed. One thing is important. And Mary has chosen that good thing and it's not going to be taken away from her. This is one of the greatest passages in the Bible to teach me and you. You need to make the priority of your life sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he's got to say. The most important thing you do in your life is not to serve in the church. It's not to make money. It's not to, it's not to be a good person. It is to hear God speak. And Jesus said, this is the most important thing you'll ever do. Make the priority of your life to listen to God speak. Now do this. If you don't, if you don't believe Jesus tells the truth, from this passage on, follow those two girls. 
follow them. Watch what happened in their lives. Because Mary sat and listened to Jesus speak, her life was wonderful. And great things happened in her life. You never hear from Martha again. Martha was burned out. You ever heard of burnout? There it is. Because burnout's not because you have a lot to do. Burnout's because you're not hearing the voice of God. And we need to make a decision. I decided years ago, rather than play the church game, most important thing I'm gonna do in my life, I'm gonna live to listen to God. I'm gonna hear what he's got to say personally. And I do it for two reasons. Number one, I love to hear him speak. The delight of my life is to hear him speak. Uh, many scriptures, I, one of my favorite old songs, I come to the garden alone. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I'm his own. And the joy we share, there's no greater joy than, than fellowshipping with God. But also, I tried for years to be a good Christian in my denominational thing, and, and I didn't do all that well. I find if you just listen to God, he'll do for you what you're trying to do. The fruit will be there. Uh, believe it or not, I used to be a pretty impatient person. There was a time I was a little on the impatient side. I knew you wouldn't believe it because you're laughing, but I was. And uh, I tried to be more patient. Guess what happens when you try? The flesh produces death. Well, I finally just gave up. I'm one of the most patient people you ever meet now. now I'm, still, I'm still passionate. You know, passionate and ugly is two different things. <laughs> but was, I'm, if you just listen to the voice of God, things will happen. Great things will happen. It's just so, so much easier to do that. Make the priority of your life hearing the voice of God. If you want to go back to what he created you to be, listen to the voice of God. It's just the, it's the funnest thing in all the world is to live to listen to him speak. So brother, how do I do that? I let, let me make a suggestion to get you started. I'm done. Just suggestion. This is a good place to start right here. Great place to start right here. But listen to me. Listen to me. And I, I know I catch heck for saying this. Don't do the read the Bible through in a program year. Because you're going to get to Leviticus and you're going to read where Abinasham begat Hadinasham and, and you're going to fall asleep. It ain't going to do you a lick of good. Don't read this book to study only. Don't read this book to check off. I got this much done. That's dumb. I don't, me and my wife don't go out and I say, talk to me all you can. She don't speak much anyway. You know what I'd rather than her tell me, rather than her flood me with information, you know what I really like to hear from her? I love you. I'd rather her tell me I love you than flood me with information. Listen for the voice of God in this book. Let me tell you, rather than, rather than reading the baguettes, why don't you read something like this? Read it real slow. Do, do not get in a, well, I want to read my chapter. Stop that stuff. It's like having to kiss 29 times. You just don't make sense. Why don't you open to Psalm 23 sometime and read the Lord is my shepherd real slow. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Thank you, Jesus. He leads me beside still waters. Thank you, Jesus. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right. Read, read it with the voice of God in it. Read it like the man. Let him speak to your heart through this thing. And uh, people have accused me of wanting to read the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I like the good stuff. Uh, all nations that forget God shall be thrust down into hell. I don't need to hear that. I've decided to follow him. I've made up my mind to follow him. I get the good stuff now. Buddy, I bought the cow. I get the milk. Are you with me? I'm in full, full bore, 100%. Tell me the good stuff. But then go to hear, listen, you can hear the voice of God and you live to hear his voice and we live by hearing the voice of God. All righty, fix here to choir hall. I better get out of here. Lord Jesus, I love you and praise you and thank you that you speak. This is so simple that we've made it so complicated with our 29 steps to bind the spirit of flat tire and 18 keys to unlock the windows. It all just goes back to hearing your voice speak through your word or in our hearts or you, as we learn how to hear you speak about life to us and we get your word in us and, and you show us things through life and it becomes a friendship and a relationship. And for that, I'm thankful. I, I don't know whoever put us on this religious treadmill of trying to remember to pray every day and trying not to cuss and, and trying to get, where's the friendship? Where's the relationship? Where's the marriage? I praise you and thank you that you're a friend and you're a father. And most of the time when my sweetheart and I talk, it's not about information. We just enjoy talking to each other. And I just love to be with you and listen to your voice. I pray for every person in this room that they will live by the voice of God. And they will not let the enemy of their souls steal 
the sound of your voice out of their hearts. Through offense, busyness, chasing things that are inferior, they'll live to hear the voice of God. I want to be like Mary. I'm going to sit down at your feet and just wait for you to say something. I'm going to wait at your door daily, watching at the post of your doors. I don't want to get so caught up in church work or any other kind of work that I never hear you speak. Whether it's through a song, through watching the bluebird build a nest, through watching the sunset or by reading Psalm 23. I want to hear the voice of God all the time. Every, every day, not all the time, but every day. And I thank you that you're speaking in the earth today and it's wonderful. And I just believe that you, I seal this word tonight by faith into people's hearts. Most important thing tonight, that people will believe I'm his child, I can hear him speak. And they'll live for that. I trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.